Blog Talk Radio. Come back home 
passing down the great Obi of Thick, along with the knowledge of the life-giving herbs, roots, plants, rituals, spirits, minerals, and indeed, as our beloved Denise Augustine would say, our sacred stories. Indeed, our sacred stories. I'm always humbled, honored, and grateful to share this space with you at high noon. You have the standard time on blog, talkradio.com, forward slash the hyphen divine hyphen prince. You can also call in and listen in at area code 845-277-9143, 845-277-9143. You can also enjoy me in all the commonly divisible uh, social media outlets. You can also turn on your webcam and mic and join me here on StreamYard by following the link. Oh, let me see. By following the link that is now scrolling at the bottom of your screen. So I'm indeed grateful and always honored by those of you who choose in the middle of your day, whatever time it is in your area code, in your zip code, in your uh, place on the planet, I'm always truly honored and grateful that you take the time out to share in this created, self-created, shared sacred space that we all participate in at high noon, U.S. Central Standard Time, here on Revolutionary Hoodoo, New Orleans Voodoo Secrets and Recipes. Uh, greetings, Tomcat, Richard Gordon, welcome, welcome. Come on in, Divine Self-Healing. Thank you so much for your continued support. Renee Marie, come on in, Big Chief. Big Chief, come on in. Hoonana. Greetings to you and yours as well. Welcome, Angel. Angel123, blessings, beloved. Infinite blessings to you and yours, uh, my beloved Orisha and your household. Thank you so much for always being supportive, always being in-house, always having my back and being a consistent participant and listener here on the show. I wanted to talk just a little bit today in the spirit of the day. And some of you understand, when I say the spirit of the day, the ritual calendar of the day, some of you fully understand what's going on. Sometimes I throw a hint or two of color you know, every now and then to sort of help you keep on track with where things are. But before I move forward in a discussion, in, in any discussion, but particularly this discussion today about hearing from spirit, hearing from spirit personally, not necessarily through the pastor or the imam or the reader, but, but hearing from spirit personally and and then moreover personal divination and, and personal forms of divination that don't necessarily require you seeking out a, a babalao, a, a mambo, a ianifa, a hogan, a voodoo priest, etc. Now those who are actively participating in ancestor work and divination, maybe you've done some ori work, if a certain if you are initiating with me beyond those foundational pillars, um, you, you understand that all things in 
the realm of spirit communicate through forms of what we call divination. But, but we could simplify it, you know, as, as spirit speaks indeed in nature. Spirit speaks in and through our food. Spirit speaks in and, and through our water. Spirit speaks in and, and through the rocks and, and the weather changes that we, that we uh, prepare for and endure in each and every waking moment of our, of our living, breathing existence as a part of this greater universal body. And I say greater universal body because we've been taught to sort of separate ourselves from nature and thus separate ourselves from God. Or, or from divinity. God is something that exists way up here beyond the cosmos, beyond the sky, and we're sort of here sharing a, a limited space with animals, nature, bacteria, you know, other forms of, of living, breathing components of, of nature, but indeed those of a more universal consciousness understand that we are one organism with multiple organs and multiple limbs and structures to it, but indeed one flying organism through through space and, and time in the cosmos. And, and we indeed share much of our existence, coexistence, uh, with not just our own consciousness, but that of the divine creator itself and indeed nature itself. So I start any endeavor, first reminding myself and others that we stand on the shoulders of a great and mighty ancestors. For indeed, without our ancestors, we would not have our very physical, and some would say even our spiritual being. We indeed have our breath and our life and, and get our cosmic ray from the divine creator or, or creator itself. But, but it has built in a system for us of creation and procreation that passes through that of our great mother, our great mother. So reminding you that the black woman is God, the black woman is God, indeed the black woman is God. And if science and all creation says that we come from the belly of Mother Nature, the belly of the mother continent, the belly of the great mother, that indeed we are all born divine, just as we are all born human. We're not all born adults. We're not all born mature. We, we don't pop out and we're ready to go. <laughs> but, but we certainly are born human and then go through an evolutionary process of development. So we can therefore coexist in nature, but in spirit as well as divine co-creator and continue to create and recreate the reality that we feel, that we sense, that we see mirrors our best interest. Now, it's in the seeing and the sensing and the feeling that I want to have some conversation about today. Hearing, hearing from spirit, because, because it's not always going to be, you know, the crystal ball, the great tarot card reader, you know, the, the Obiabata system, the, the Ifa system. Indeed, the creator, nature, the ancestors, 
our bodies, our food, our plants speak to us each and every moment of the day when we're conscious and we are aware. Now, I understand conscious has taken on a bit of a relative uh, terminology and definition in, in, in modern times. Uh, we have conscious as opposed to being unconscious or knocked out. And then we have that what we consider to be conscious are those who are uh, somehow in the know of things, spiritually speaking. And that word still remains to be determined, <laughs> indeed defined. Uh, I believe and, and I teach and I understand that any moment that we have to first wake up and breathe and breathe again and breathe again, and are aware of our consciousness, then we are indeed operating in consciousness. Now, that's not to say that we make the best decisions at every corner of life, at every turn or intersection of our reality. But indeed, as long as we have life, breath, limbs, as the old folks used to say, clothed in my right mind, you know, then we indeed have consciousness. We're not you know, in ICU, we're not, you know, in between the twilight, save for that which happens in our dream state. And we cross over between the dreaming state, the creative state. Uh, musicians know what I'm talking about. Artisans, painters, crafters, people who envision things in their imagination and then bring them into fruition. Understand what I'm talking about when I say our creative state. It's a very fine line between our creative state, our dream state, our imagination, and indeed the spirit realm. And these are places that any proficient reader, but I would suggest any proficient, conscious, spiritual person would need to be proficient in, in terms of tapping and being clear about hearing the voice of God, or hearing from spirit. For indeed, we hear many voices. And I'm not suggesting mental health or, or the imbalanced state of mental health that might induce the hearing of voices. No, I mean, we hear as, as natural, conscious human beings many voices. You hear that of your parents, your mom, your dad, your grandparents, your guardians, those who raised you and implanted certain phraseologies, certain songs, certain wording, certain body mannerisms on consciousness at a very young, young state. And then there's the voice of religion in some households, the pastor, the imam, the priest, the pope, the minister, the great teacher, who then implants a certain pattern, recording of voices, of, of, of memory that we hear and sometimes repeat. There's that which is incurred by existing in society, pop culture, what we see on the news every day, what we hear in, 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 the, mag, in the tabloids, in the magazines on any given day, what you hear being talked about and discussed you know, in the break room or on the public transportation or, you know, 
in, in your social setting at, at any given point. So we indeed, as a natural component to being human, hear many voices. But how then do we distinguish hearing voices, hearing a repeated uh, memory, if, if you will, a repeated moment in time, as opposed to really breaking through the spirit realm and hearing the voice of God, or, or hearing, indeed, the voice of, of Orisha or, or, or Loa, who, who often don't speak, by the way, but, but can speak, can push through the spirit realm. I can remember being a young person, you know, in the church, you know, hearing people talk about God bless them in the lotto or God bless them with a great job or God bless them and they, you know, thought they had the works of credit and, and were able to walk out, you know, or, or drive off the lot, you know, with a brand new car, you know, but you rarely hear conversations about communication from God to man. We often leave that in the hands of the leader, the teacher, the reader, in some cases, the spiritualist, the specialist. And in some cases, it's best to leave certain things to experts, to experts. But then there's a component to just our being human that is also in constant connection or should be or would rather be in constant connection with nature, with the creators. I can remember back in the day, older folks, you know, could feel the weather, you know, through their knee, you know, in their back, you know, or or, or could smell rain, you know, coming. You know, we had a different degree of of connection to nature before the uh, numerous inventions of technology that we have now that sort of block out natural light, block out our our ability to see the sky clearly at night, uh, block out our ability to hear nature, the frogs, the crickets, you know, the other animals sort of wrestling through the the bushes and the trees where there might still exist bushes and trees. So there are many artificial things in place that not only limit our ability to hear from nature and hear nature, uh, with any degree of clarity, but to get in between our ability to hear uh, spirit versus only accepting that which we can see, taste, you know, feel, buy with money, the material uh, realm, the material possessions that we have, and our physical material bodies and, and existence. Um, we seek God, you know, when we want to win a great bet or, or when our team, you know, is, is in the Super Bowl or, or, or when we're about to enter the, the contest or, or the, the, uh, uh, the, uh, your quiz or your, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, your, your, your test, you know, in, in school, in the universities, uh, your final exam, you know, we, we seek out God in a sort of uh, guttural third chakra sort of way, you know. It's either thank God, praise God, you know, or I hope to God. You know, God help me. You know, it's a it's a very guttural third um, 
third chakra level uh, pronunciation, as opposed to one that might come from a higher octave or chakra form. You know, that which we speak into existence, fifth chakra, that which we can see or having vision, being able to see a vision before it becomes our reality, and certainly seventh chakra and higher energy, which might intersect us with our ultimate and, and truly our destiny. And, as some would say, as written by God, as written by even our, our higher selves. Something that any great meditator, any great practitioner, any religious individual, anyone who claims to hear from Jehovah, who claims to hear from, from, from Jesus, should first and foremost be able to be quiet, to be quiet. And being quiet is not as easy as it might sound. It is indeed not as simple as just buttoning your lips. If anyone has ever tried to meditate for the first time or, or sees themselves as a bit of a beginner uh, when it comes to, to meditating, um, you know that being quiet is more than just feeling the lips, buttoning the lips. It's also an act of silencing those voices that I first talked about that are often speaking through, reminding us, correcting us, sometimes judging us, you know, often not applauding us enough, you know, and then there are what you've forgotten, your, your, your dinner schedule, your grocery list, you know, that final exam that's coming and, and you're losing time. You know, there, there's a degree of other things that occupy and, and preoccupy both our left and right brain, right brain activity that can interfere with being still which is going to be my number two, and being quiet, which is is number one. Because it's not enough to just be quiet. Because some of you can be quiet, can go within and and kind of hear, you know, from spirit, but your hands are still moving. Your feet are still moving. You're still doing this. You're still doing that. And, and And you do not feel comfortable sitting still. Sometimes this is a byproduct of those inner voices that once upon a time said, oh, well, you're lazy if you're not constantly in motion. You're not doing enough if you're not doing enough. You know, and some of those voices come from parenting. Some of those voices come from pressure at the academic level. Some of those uh, voices come from peer pressure within the dynamics of our, our social group, social setting that suggests that, you know, you reach a certain age, you pass a certain goalpost, you should have a certain amount of things, you should be doing doing certain things in your life, you know. And so being quiet is critical to being able to not just be a diviner, someone who could read the shells and and the bones and and indeed interpret tarot cards, but, but being a good student of spirit student and practitioner of your own spiritual journey. Third would be to just be humble and and accept and understand that there is indeed something greater than ourselves, higher than ourselves, that indeed sees and knows and understands things from a perspective that 
we can't, particularly we can't within just our animal nature. And you can call it God, you can call it the supreme mind, supreme consciousness, supreme mathematics, call it what you will, label it as you will, but accepting that there's something, this planet is bigger, greater, more mysterious than, than we still know and understand. The bottoms of the sea, greater, vaster, deeper, you know, much more complex than we still have a full understanding of. So being humble, and, and not just to, you know, humble to the elder who might impart some knowledge, some wisdom, demonstration. Humble to, to the child who, who teaches from a place of innocence and, and often purity. Humble to nature. You know, weather is as weather does. And so we adjust to the heat. I think it'll be in the late 80s here today in New Orleans. We'll, we'll adjust to the cool. I think we'll be in the 50s, in the 60s, but by the weekend, you know, we'll adjust to the weather, you know, the rain, the snow, whatever the weather might be, to where we are at any place in our existence, physical, but also spiritual, geographic place, but also spiritual place in our existence. Sometimes you're just in a very dry place and, and, and you just need some water. You need moisture. You need wetness. You need to be rejuvenated. Sometimes it's just water everywhere. And we need to create and, and build an island of understanding and, and create an island of vision that mirrors a place, a destiny, a goal in which we, we seek. But first we've got to be humble and accept that there are forces, there are powers outside our control. There are forces, there are powers that are divinely innate and inherent that are built into the system that indeed work towards our good but are not entirely in our control. Beyond being humble and, and, and allowing big gods and big things and, and big systems to do as they will and, and find our rhythm, our place in it, is being open, is being open. Open not just to something new, open to indeed change, and, and in many cases just open to, again, being humble and accepting that there are things that are so much bigger than our limited understanding at any, at any point in our human journey. Be open. Um, I've told the story before, and so I won't repeat it again today, but, but earlier on in my, in my journey, particularly as a, as a young person, I would often question God. And, and I have some questions that I'm going to share um, as I move forward today in, in my topic. But I would question, you know, what I was supposed to understand and with what clarity that understanding was, was being put in front of me. You know, um, was it indeed me being clouded by, by the trauma, by the pain, by the pain, uh, being clouded sometimes by the past, by by your experience, and having experienced something uh, more than once, several times over, 
then being clouded by the expectation that you would indeed have and, and repeat and, and reshare that indeed that that experience. But being open to all the possibilities, the dynamics of that which are beyond our seeing, which are indeed beyond our ability to understand. Right now, you might understand better tomorrow or next week, but just beyond our understanding right now, and, and again, being open to the presence of God, of the ancestors, and their ability to maneuver things right in our path, always in our best interest, so that we can make that shift, make that turn. So we got to be open to um, not just options. Um, sometimes being open even when there might not appear to be options. The next um, critical point on the list of really hearing from spirit, knowing that you are authentically and genuinely in touch with and connecting with spirit is to be honest. Is to be honest. And one of my greatest tools for maintaining honesty in, on the spirit journey is keeping a journal, keeping a, a magic book, a grimoire. Call it what, what you need to call it. Okay, call it what you need to call it if it's going to get you to commit to doing it and to doing it regularly and to doing it uh, more often. Keeping a journal. Often our first lesson, our first proof, our first documentation of indeed hearing from spirit and, and being able to validate that is from what we document in our journal. Keeping accurate accounting of, of the dreams accurate accounting of the vision, and, and, and to include the, the daydream, those moments in our day when we slip out and slip in and sometimes have the most absorbent dreams, sometimes the most absorbent fantasies, document those to the best of your ability. Try and remember the day, the time, the hour, the cycling of the planets, the moon stages at the time. The better you're able to document, uh, the more able you are to repeat those things which you find give proof to a skill, a talent, or a particular ability. Uh, Some of us have a a greater ability to see some things over other things, but it's often through our journaling and keeping a a well-documented journey that we discover those areas where we're best, where our strengths tend to really shine through. Thank you, um, Yoel Adams. I often forget to say that uh, myself. Please remember like, subscribe. You can stop now and like, subscribe. Uh, by all means, share. I certainly would appreciate that. Thank you, Yoel Adams. I probably don't sell, <laughs> advertise enough in social media. Um, no, um, Rowan Redison, I am in New Orleans, Louisiana, said to be the most northernmost Caribbean city, New Orleans, Louisiana, also said to be the most African city in America, New Orleans, Louisiana. 
So, but thank you for asking. No, this is New Orleans. Uh, Matthew Ferguson. Okay, uh, yeah, I'll be glad to do that at some point in the show if I don't have it already. No, I guess I don't. Okay, give me give me some time and I'll come back to that. But thank you for that, um, Matthew Ferguson. Uh, Rowan Redison, um, the best way, and to be quite frank, the only way to acquire an appointment with me is by email. And so you can email me at divineprince at houseofthedivineprince.com. I'll be more than happy to respond to you. Uh, I am available typically 24 hours a day, but, you know, if I'm tied up at the moment, um, just be patient with me, but I'll always um, respond to you in a timely manner. Greetings, uh, Marcus Anwar Wadi. Greetings, beloved. Thank you for being with us. Yes, indeed. Greetings, um, the Goddess Initiative. Greetings, beloved. Greetings, Tosh. Divine greetings. Divine peace and blessings. Uh, Shamafia Rothschild, do you ever ask Source why there's so much violence in nature? I do, but we are nature, so we have violent tendencies. Um, yeah, and I, I would even offer that you, you know, go into your YouTube and look at more um, astronomy videos. Um, right now, I'm, I'm sort of going through a post. <clears throat> of course, I'm talking about it now, and I don't have the list, like, out in front of me. But it, it was basically about new discoveries as it relates to black holes and how black holes work. Uh, greetings, greetings, beloved Haya, greetings. So, Shamafi, I have been watching these, these new black hole videos that are, you know, available for anyone to sort of check out on YouTube because they tell me and teach me so much um, about what we still don't know and understand about dark energy and, and indeed, dark matter. Um, and I've always taught and understood that, you know, a great deal of what we consider um, negative or what we consider uh, violent, um, particularly when we pass it through a human uh, prism, which is going to involve so much ego and, and selfishness and carnality. But, but when we look at what we call violence, and then see, you know, the, the lion grasses a gazelle in nature, see the shark, you know, eat the seal, you know, uh, in nature. We, we indeed see a cycle of energy consuming itself and, and then expelling that energy so that it can then go on to be created and recreated again uh, somewhere else in, in creation. And so when we look at the activity of black holes, and I like to, you know, work with black obsidian, particularly black obsidian spheres um, when I'm studying and, and, and meditating over black holes. And we think of how the energy pulls all things into it, uh, including light, 
sucked everything into it, and, and, and we see it as this great, you know, violent and, and, and terrible destruction. And so one of the videos that I've recently viewed was the reemergence of white light, this sort of pure stream of, of white light that reemerges. I believe that's a quasar from the other side, you know, of the black hole and how society continues to sort of mimic and, and repeat nature. Nature mimics and, and, and repeats itself. Um, we, we have a saying that art imitate life, you know, that life imitate art. Um, but, but indeed, does humanity imitate nature? And, 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 and let's not limit nature to, you know, the extremes of, of humanity or, or the extremes of our human nature or the extremes of our Earth environment, but indeed look at it in a more cosmic, universal scope um, where we see even light being sucked into to a portal, you know, this gateway of, of change and transformation that we only identify and understand right now as a black hole to thus then be reborn somewhere new. Um, I was taught even in the expelling of energy, you know, there's a proper way to cleanse. There's a proper way to cleanse your body as it is to cleanse your house, uh, as it is to cleanse spirit, you know, as it is to cleanse an environment. And so that energy, is you're not just sweeping it out into the street for the next person to sort of pick up because energy we know from quantum metaphysics is eternal. All the energy that will ever exist in our realm of, of understanding is, is here right now. It's just being recycled, renewed, you know, consumed by one thing and, and expelled to then be consumed by another, utilized and expelled to then be regathered and, and, and re, reused and uh, recycled again somewhere in indeed in the universe. I think about humans and our ability to sort of act um, what we would call irrationally as it relates to violence, as it relates to greed, for instance. Um, You know, an animal can only eat as much as it can eat. Uh, It doesn't store it for the most part, except maybe your squirrels and a few other animals. You have some that can generate and produce their own um, food. Plants can generate and produce their own food. So when we think about human behavior um, that we deem violent, destruction, destructive, negative, uh, hurtful, um, there's a lot of ego and a lot of carnality and a lot of selfishness attached to it that we don't necessarily see sort of mirrored back to us in nature. So it then can, again, be the evidence of, of us having a, a divine nature, whether that be God or, or the devil, but us having a, a, a nature that supersedes just physicality, just to meet the needs of the physical body machine, to keep it running, to keep it moving. But we step outside that sometimes to do things to make us happy or to feed 
certain aspects of, of the multifaceted person, you know, that, that each of us as an individual indeed are. So there's, there's um, a deeper way of examining that um, Shemafia. But I appreciate your, your comment. Uh, Arisha, can you speak about reprogramming DNA? So we have the ability to reprogram our DNA. Is it done through meditation and other methods? Um, I believe it's a combination of uh, meditation, conscious thought, uh, reprogramming of the consciousness, of the mind, uh, of our behaviors, of our attitudes, um, of our tastes. Um, you know, you have a certain set of tastes, you know, at 18. You know, you might not like onions at 18. You might love onions at 28. You know, we we indeed have an opportunity to um, create and recreate the reality that mirrors our best interest, um, most certainly. Uh, but I also think other things have to to go along with the meditation. Other things have to go along with just the positive thinking. Other, other changes, other activities have to go along with just, you know, the strong, you know, mantra. It, and indeed comes in what we eat, but also through act, actions and activities. Uh, I learned at a very young age to occupy the left brain while the right brain is busy. For instance, you know, you're, you're a creator, so I'm creating music, and, and, and I'm creating a new piece on the piano. And, and so your fingers are sort of doing left-brain activity, which is sort of calculated and mathematical and, and to some degree automatic, you know, whereas your right brain is said to be your creative side, your, your, where your imagination dwells, where your ability to sort of transcend into the spirit realm well. So keeping notes, writing in a journal, or, or playing a particular piece of music while thinking about chanting a particular piece of music while thinking about or while saying something repeatedly can reprogram the mind, can reprogram the body, and, and, and done with enough repetition and, and of course, timing length, duration, then we can certainly impress upon things uh, and encode them, you know, within our DNA, ending generational curses, ending certain behaviors in one generation that maybe was once said to be, you know, generational curse, something that happens, you know, repeatedly. But we've also seen things like certain health conditions skip a generation. So I do believe that, you know, in so reprogramming that then is impressed upon those who follow, i.e. your children, your grandbabies. They saw grandma eat a certain way, so then they continue to, to sort of eat a certain way. And that energy within itself can endure um, through, through many lifetimes beyond just our own. Greetings, Mom. Peace and blessings.
Okay. I I agree. I accept. I support. Uh, yeah, the Goddess Initiative offers that um, Arisha, just that trauma encodes in our DNA. We can reprogram it. Uh, indeed, the healing. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree with that. Um, an example I like to use, use is when we see uh, particularly certain uh, ethnic groups from, let's say, Asia, that we, you know, now listen, this isn't a political or racial discussion. So you know, this isn't about politics, um, you know, whether people are starving in, in, in their home countries, none of that, okay? But when we see people move from Asia or from uh, the Mediterranean, another area of the world known for their diet, uh, the Mediterranean diet, the Greek diet, um, and, and of course, Asian, you know, a lot of um, vegetable uh, produce, you know, then you've got that starch, you know, rice base, and, and then some protein, you know, quick protein, quick meat. And, and we see them arrive, you know, at a certain weight, at a certain body dynamic overall only to pick up very Western-like behavior. And then the, the uh, outward, you know, signs of those behaviors uh, within a generation, uh, their first-generation children, maybe their grandchildren even, now picking up conditions that are said to be Western, uh, heart problems, obesity, high cholesterol, uh, they're eating more fatty foods. They're eating more uh, salts and, and sugars and, 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 and artificial, you know, this, that, and the other. You know, so we indeed can see uh, evidence of behaviors, traumas being encoded on the DNA that can then be carried away as a generational curse for, for years to follow, but can also um, remove and reprogram and, and, and change and renew things that could have once been said to be something you just have to deal with. We know uh, diabetes is being demonstrated to be something that can be absolutely dialed back uh, through behavior, through lifestyle, through diet. Um, and, and then when that is passed on health, in a healthy way uh, to others, to the next generation or even to other people, um, it, it grows. The positive grows and renews itself. Uh, far eye for life, greetings, greetings. Um, let's see. Do the rituals the ancestors require change with the seasons or do they remain unmovable through generations? Um, there is absolutely a degree of ritual practice, we call that tradition, um, that, you know, sort of remains relatively, quotation marks around relatively cohesive um, from generation to generation. But, but even if we just take, you know, just call out any particular country or region in the indigenous world or in the uh, aboriginal world and then look at their adjustments to climate change, 
or their adjustments to colonizers and, and how that has affected and changed the dynamics of, of the practice and the tradition. I think that even, um, again, in nature, uh, if you over plant, over, you know, harvest uh, a particular uh, species, you know, you run the risk of not getting uh, the same quality as something that's being, you know, diversely uh, pollinated, diversely fed, you know, even within the dynamics of, of nature. So there's a certain consistency. You know, there is a, a rule book to how we acknowledge ancestors, relatively speaking, uh, but indeed that has and continues to change um, with not just the seasons or, or, or with weather, but great, you know, let, let's call it upheavals in cultural climate. Um, you know, female gender mutilation, you know, sounds just abhorrent, you know, to us and, and, and to the modern ear, um, whereas it was almost universally, if not globally, you know, accepted you know, 500 years ago or or a 1,000 years ago in certain regions of the world among certain aboriginal um, communities of the world. Um, we still find a way to sort of evolve um, things that we find attractive um, or, or palatable, like tattooing or body piercing. Uh, this is, you know, probably not as offensive to some people as, I don't know, tongue piercing or, 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 or nipple piercing, but it's probably as offensive as tongue piercing and, and nipple piercing to some people of maybe an older generation, you know, or, or a different mindset of, of understanding. So we indeed see traditions, um, and, and, and I don't know if change is even a, a sort of the right word. We sort of go with you know, what's happening. You, you go with what's available. You, you cook with what's available, you know, to be forested, to be harvested, you know, to be hunted, you know, in, in your region. And so we have some cultures, some ethnic groups that have moved um, a nomadic culture in search for better or more of. And then you have others that have remained uh, in place and have learned to sort of harvest and cultivate uh, and create and recreate. And so I think we can, in looking at tradition uh, versus sort of spontaneous evolution, um, how spirits speak uh, can, can also be sort of examined in a similar way, particularly when we think of Fa, Ifa divination systems, where there are indeed 256 combinations in total that don't change, you know, that, that have stayed the same for, for thousands or more years. But then in the body of the text, what verb, what proverb, what, what uh, protocols apply are contingent on the weather, the season, the need. Uh, the, the dynamic of the problem, indeed, that we might be uh, addressing at, at any given time. 
uh, looking at the Mayans, the Aztecs, and, and we hear tell, old folks used to say we hear tell, uh, we hear stories of, uh, you know, human sacrifice, for instance. And there's still this great debate, you know, is, is that just theatrical language? Is it just some, you know, contextual religious conversation that we don't understand? Or is it indeed something that absolutely happened um, within the context of their time and their society where, you know, throwing humans into a well, for instance, you know, was seen as justifiable action for, you know, preventing a drought, you know, or, or, or trying to, you know, call down rain or water. And so we grow and we evolve and we renew our traditions and how we view our, our traditions while adopting new traditions and, and new practices and, and sort of new ways of doing things. Um, artificially, we, we do so with the Internet uh, and, and social media. Now, I don't know if it's just me, but it doesn't seem to be moving quite like it was, I don't know, let's say between the 80s going into the 90s, into 2000s. Um, even when we think of Yahoo 360, MySpace, um, then we sort of went into that whole Ning, N-I-N-G, universe thing. Uh, there were a few other sites that came and went. Uh, but it seems like Facebook has been pretty consistent. Uh, Twitter has been pretty consistent. There, there's, you know, uh, there's a different dynamic of change and evolution that's happening um, in, in, in the dynamics of how we use the Internet and social media, um, and, and then maybe even how we use tools within social media, uh, editing, filters, um, that's a new concept. You, you know, same material, but you add a filter to it. You, you add music to it, you know. So there are indeed traditions, I think, that maintain itself you know, since the beginnings of humanity, um, the evolution of humanity, that still grow, that still evolve, that still get tweaked, much like our planet still grows, still evolves, will continue to tweak and rebalance itself, uh, contingent on heat, coolness, uh, vibration, activity, uh, outside interference, you know, there are many degrees of weather. Uh, we can look at weather as something very different when we look at it from a cosmic perspective uh, as opposed to a communal perspective or even an individual perspective. Um, we all have sort of a blueprint for which we, you know, set up and identify ancestral work. But then there are individual tweaks that happen and that take place over time through accessibility, availability, what's available to you. Uh, how available is e-fund in your community versus chalk in your community? Tweaks of, the, you know, tweaks of that nature. Um, modernization, we've moved from entirely housing ancestors outside and outdoors, much like cemeteries, stone tombs, to now having concrete indoor 
faces that we acknowledge the ancestors that we don't consider filthy or unclean, you know, um, there are no dead bodies involved, you know. So, indeed, there are traditions, there are habits, there are behaviors, there are, there are religions, things that we do religiously that continue to grow and transform with our growth and our transformation, with the growth and transformation of the communities that we inhabit and, and live within, um, that continue to grow um, with, with the movement of, of the planet, Mother Nature, you know, itself, and then continue to grow, you know, with the movement of the cosmos, you know, and, and the universe. Uh, we often look at seven chakras, you know, uh, but there are just so many more degrees and levels in which we can use uh, as it is above, so shall it be below. Uh, the, the, the microcosm mirrors the, the macrocosm. The six-pointed star, that three-pointed star facing up, you know, and then you've got the three-pointed star, you know, facing down. So we can look at the sky, we can look at the universe and, and see things that mirror our own development, our own reality. And, and I believe almost all world religions say that in some way, speak to that in some way. <clears throat> greetings, Electro Vibe. Greetings. Uh, yes, you Adams. The, the ego blocks and filters the awareness and connection from beyond. Um, it most certainly does. And Ego is something that I like to spend a lot of time thinking about because sometimes I wonder to what degree is ego indeed connected to the body? Is there a mechanism in ego that somehow protects the body maybe, that sometimes somehow protects our uh, place in reality, our, our concept of reality, as opposed to feeling displaced? Or, or dis-ease or imbalance in, in our place of reality? And, 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 and if so, where then is the line drawn where ego becomes selfish and self-serving and only about the excessive? Even when the excessive is, is harmful. Uh, we, we hear of, of medieval, you know, banquets where people, you know, gorge themselves to excess on food, gorge themselves to, to excess on, on alcohol, didn't seem to have a, a, a limit or boundary, uh, if you will, on, on sex and, and overt and, and, and open sexual uh, behavior. And, and we look at what contributions um, are, are thus then made to, to society you know, by way of these sort of cultures that, that we now might deem, you know, odd or unusual. Alafia, Tasha, beloved, greetings. Tasha's been around a long, long time. Greetings, beloved. Um, Neophyte Bakur has been here, the God's initiative. Uh, he has been coming under his government name or his last name, which is Rollins. Uh, but he's yeah he's been coming through. He was here uh, 
at the last at the last show. But thanks for asking. I'm sure he'll catch this if not today in archives. I'll certainly uh, let him know. Sometimes I get a little bit behind on my chat, but thank you so much for um, for our for life. It lets your vibe osmosis. Yeah. <laughs> osmosis. Um, yeah, things, you know, change because we perceive them as a change, because we want them to change. And, and we can get into a whole scientific discussion about, you know, our reality and our place in reality. Uh, some would say that we accept this reality, therefore it is our reality. We accept this reality, therefore it is our reality. And so folks who don't accept this as their reality, therefore appear to experience a very different reality than some of us who accept this as our reality, therefore it is your reality. Did y'all catch that? Do I need to say that again? Mom, oh, may I ask about starting from scratch to develop rituals, etc. I'm first in my family for for at least 10, maybe 20 generations to honor the divine, live spiritual. My ancestors are Scottish and English. Um, I would suggest anybody of any ethnic group to, first of all, if you are whether you're coming from a family steeped in religion versus a family that's, I don't know, atheist, agnostic, you know, didn't do anything religiously, maybe didn't even eat at the dinner table religiously. Um, I don't think it really matters either extreme. I don't don't think it matters. When someone begins the spiritual journey, you then are beginning something anew. Um, some religions like to say reborn, renewed. Um, and so all of, you know, your behaviors at, at that level are going to be new and, and to some degree might be ritualistic. It might be where you keep your perfumes and your colognes and your body oils, you know, together in one place. It might be where you keep, you know, your jewelry together in one place. There, there are all kind of... Uh, ways that we begin altars and begin rituals in our lives. Um, I remember working in the big city, Chicago, New York City, L.A., didn't matter where, um, but, but I had a ritual. You know, I had a morning bagel ritual and morning coffee, and it would often involve a particular location. Here, I, I favor Tremay Coffee House, you know, and in New York City, I had a different location. In L.A., I had a different location. But it was a ritual that was unique to me, you know, that, that was unique to my process, how I began my day, how I got my thinking cap on and got the juices flowing, you know, and got into a certain mode of apparatus. Now, some of you, you know, have been driving cars your whole life, and so you have a car ritual. You know, it might involve certain music. You know, it might involve oldies. It might involve gospel. It, it, it might involve new age. I, I think a, a healthy God, a healthy goddess, a healthy human um, is constantly developing and redeveloping rituals. 
so so there there's that's an opening. Um, a, a start would also be to then consider nature and, and how the elements show up in our lives: earth, water, fire, air, and indeed mind or ether or, or, or the spirit realm. I like to count that as the, the five principal elements to life: earth, water, fire air, mind, or, or, or ether and the spirit realm. So began looking at ways to get better acquainted with nature. You know, I'm, I've been a big walker a great deal of my life. Um, it's shifted in the last few years for some reason, but I've been a, a big walker uh, a great deal of my life. I've had no choice. Uh, but it's also been an outlet, a prayer outlet, a spiritual outlet, a meditative outlet for me. So getting in touch with the nature in your environment, in your community, what's edible in your environment, in your community, what's pretty, what's beautiful in your environment, in your community, what indeed can be improved in your environment, in your community, are all ways, again, to begin anew at developing ritual and establishing rituals that can then become something that your family dynamic uh, does. Greetings, greetings, beloved. Thank you for being here. I'll say time. Greetings, greetings. We certainly appreciate you. Now, uh, Mom O, you can most certainly uh, send me an email at my uh, email address, and I'll be more than happy to sort of help you to personalize that. There are some other elements um, to some of the questions that you're asking that uh, I would normally cover in ancestor working divination. Uh, Dreams is an entire topic unto itself. Um, and so, as I suggested earlier in the show, keeping um, journal, detailed journal is critical to understanding and, and, and fully interpreting dreams and what might be said um, in, in a dream. Yeah, I think that's a good point. Um, Mom always aware she could easily take on rituals from other traditions and cultures, but she thinks the knowledge she seeks is lost. She needs to start from the beginning. Um, yeah, you definitely should um, contact me about ancestral work and divination, about how to better explore um, those practices and said traditions. And all is not lost, particularly um, in the cultures and traditions that that you are referencing. Uh, it's a question that I've often asked in many um, of my podcasts. Why aren't um, more people from Ireland, Britain, Britain, Britain Scotland, um, Germany, you know, acknowledging their ancestors, their ancestry? And indeed, those indigenous and aboriginal ancestral practices. 
uh, that came before, you know, Christianity, Islam, and um, Judaism. And in the choosing of alternatives, why are so many people coming for Buddhism? Why are so many people coming for for Ifa? And I asked the same question among, you know, the African-American community. Uh, why are so many people coming for Ifa? And all the ethnic groups that exist in just Nigeria, not to mention Ivory Coast, Senegal, Ghana, you know, uh, Democratic Republic of Congo, and just the 200 ethnic groups that exist in Nigeria. Why is everybody coming for Ifa? Why is everybody coming for Yoruba? And I often say it's because it's popularized. That would be my same response to you, Mom O. Um, it's not popularized. And, and what is being popularized, um, I can imagine, in, in that region is Christianity, Islam, Catholicism, maybe Judaism to, to some degree, but not that which is authentically indigenous, not that which is authentically uh, aboriginal uh, to a particular region, because we violated region. We, we've, we've obliterated people's natural sense of region and, 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 and village and, and, and space and put up sort of artificial boundaries for nationhood in place. So, so that would be one reason. But then there's religion, Christianity, Catholicism, Judaism, Islam, you know, which speak as gatekeepers to keep people from better knowing, better understanding, better exploring um, things from a more, you know, aboriginal perspective. I think if we're ever going to, you know, defeat racism and, and white supremacy as we know it, uh, we're definitely going to have to be much more cognizant um, of, of the ethnic boundaries that we've crushed and stepped over, you know, over, over the centuries uh, and the dynamics of what that means what that creates, what that has led to in, in the world of, of dominant power and control. Um, Electrovox asks, are there certain things we can do on certain days to help our progression? Uh, there certainly is within the dynamics of, um, again, uh, Santeria, Voodoo, Ifa, Haitian Voodoo, Kendable, Maria Leonza, there is indeed a ritual calendar that we adhere to, that we follow, that we acknowledge. It is said to be a moon calendar that we are said to, to acknowledge. And then that is also sometimes governed by the practice and said tradition that you are initiated into. Another way of, of looking at it and going about it is sort of take a page out of Mama O's book, um, it's sort of borrowed from that which already exists. Uh, we are now operating under this seven-day Greco-Roman sun calendar. <clears throat> Listen, if you're a church goer and you go to church on Sunday, you follow a Greco-Roman sun calendar. <laughs> okay, uh, if you are a Muslim living in the West, you follow a Greco-Sun calendar. If you're a Muslim living in, let's say, Iraq, uh, 
they have a completely different calendar. So yes, um, do find something that, that works for you on Monday. Find something that applies to you on Friday. Find a way to apply your Sunday. You know, everyone doesn't go to church on Sunday. We have Congo Square in, in New Orleans. For some in our community, Congo Square is, is their church. Uh, you might create a drum circle in your community. You might uh, create, you know, uh, a chanting uh, circle within um, your community. But, but certainly on the personal level, uh, Electro Vibe, um, having something to do, having something to acknowledge, having something to participate in, whether it's individually, privately, or collectively in your community, uh, every day is it, it, cathartic, therapeutic, and essential in how I operate, uh, particularly when I'm doing ritual requests. Uh, people want you to fix their love life. You know, people want you to magically fix, you know, th- their career, you know, house, you know, often in 24 hours, you know, mind you. I mean, so this having something to do every day to move our spiritual growth further. Uh, for some, just learning how to keep a journal is enormous homework just unto itself. Um, writing and maintaining and keeping mantras for some is, is an enormous amount of homework just unto itself. Researching ethnic groups, backgrounds, family lines, lineages, getting better um, acquainted with the 200 ethnic groups that, that live and exist in Nigeria, getting better acquainted with, you know, uh, the 300 or more ethnic groups that exist, you know, in, in some of the neighboring countries. Um, and, and adding that to your um, system, if you will, of growth development, keeping in line with the topic, it not only helps you to hear and, and define what's being said to you from, from spirit, but to clarify your path within it, within it. We're not all meant to be bishops, priests, priestesses, babalaos, healers, you know, musicians. We're not all going to be in the family of community doing the same role, doing the same job, nor will we all have the same degree of expertise. Um, So doing things that build the body, um, that attend to the health and wellness of the body. For indeed, if we're eating nonsense, we certainly can't expect spirit, energy, creativity, imagination to be whole and and healthy, um, you know, within your realm of existence. Uh, I hear people say, well, I don't remember my dream. Uh, It could very well be what you're eating. Uh, every day. That's interrupting your ability to remember your dreams. And if you indeed are a person who says, oh, I don't remember my dreams, I want to question your ability to hear and respond to spirit. As I said earlier in the show, dreams, the creative space, the imagination space, very thin line between that realm of, of awareness or consciousness and the spirit realm or, or hearing the voice of God or the spirit 
or the ancestors with any degree of, of clarity. So some of you are going to be better at fooding than others. Some of you are going to be better at, you know, gym activity and, and, and sportsman-like behavior than some of the rest of us are. Do you find what first do something? Then you find what fits your path, your journey. Uh, and be clear about where it is you're going. If I can, I'll let you vibe. I want to go back to be quiet, be still, be humble, be open, be honest, and then ask questions. Ask questions. I begin my day, and I offer to others to begin their day. This is a great determination if you if you are addressing or at the crossroads to shadow work. Ask yourself these five questions: How do I feel? Am I glad to be here? Is God still in control? Are the ancestors still in control? And then, what do I need? If you can't answer these in the most affirmative, most positive, what do I need? What do I need? And and some of you, what do I need is going to be the hardest question. Because it's real easy to say I need a million dollars. It's real easy to say I need to be younger. It's real easy to say I need a job, as opposed to being very specific very specific about what it is that we need and where we are in the dynamics of our journey at any given uh, point in time. So addressing those questions, um, Electro Vibes and, and others, being able to fulfill those questions within the dynamics of our routine, our ritual, is a great beginning place uh, for achieving your spiritual goals. Uh, For example, my grandmother never did anything too physical on Sundays. She believed that that day to let her soul rest. Okay, perhaps. I know once upon a time in this great Christian and Catholic country that we now exist in, uh, it was taboo to work on Sundays, whether you were a church goer or not. Um, So I don't know to what degree that truth crosses or intersects with your grandma's truth. Uh, But that was uh, a common thing, Um, even in my own childhood growing up. I had, you know, Protestant friends and family members, and then I had Catholic friends and family members who ate very differently on Fridays than we did and, and, you know, handled uh, chores on a Sunday very differently than we did. Yeah, um, for I for life, in, in this format, I can only express uh, what I do and what I share um, with my students and my initiates and my godchildren and that which was shared uh, uh, indeed with me. I certainly don't try to be everything to all people, especially in today's environment where most people are uh, 
hell-bent on doing what the hell they want to do anyway. And so they, they, they show up to me once they bump their head. So I don't, I don't try and be, I don't try to be, not only do I not try to be everything to all people, I don't try to be anything to anyone who does not seek me out, who doesn't ask for my help, and who isn't specific about my help. And, and then when they are, then their response is specific to the individual. And that's why I offer to uh, Mom O and, and some others to email me and, and, and let's formulate a more personal individual um, uh, way of addressing and looking at um, some of these questions um, without violating tradition. I'm a traditionist for the most part. I tend to do things the way that they are appropriately and, and accurately done within these traditions that we often talk about in this space. Very different than a witchcraft show where they pretty much make up what they want, do what they want, say what they want. <laughs> okay. And then when they bump their head, they contact me. So it, I, I see the two as very, very different things. And I'm very clear on that. Um, Shamafia, how do you face the dark things you notice about sexual abuse on children that happen through the century. Um, I see your question. I'm not sure I'm understanding. How do you face the dark things a person notices within themselves? Or you mean you see it on other people's children? Yeah, I'm confused by the first part. Help me out. Um, Yes and no. Yes and no. There are truths to stories of cannibalism throughout the ancient world, um, throughout the aboriginal world. How it shows up in stories, how it's documented, uh, is just as diverse as the location it's being attributed to. And then we have to look at who's doing the documentation. Who's doing the documentation? So we know of stories of headhunters, for instance, uh, certain Aboriginal tribes that hunted heads. Uh, we know of, of, of tribes, warring tribes that, you know, killed and, and maybe ate a piece of, of, of the heart or the body uh, because it was presumed that they could take on, you know, uh, power from it, uh, energy from it, that they could uh, possess if you will, the power, the magic of, of, the, of the slaughtered warrior by consuming uh, part, you know, parts of the body. Uh, now, where it gets sort of mixed up with child abuse and sex abuse, and that I'm a little bit that that I'm a little bit confused about. Um, so you got to be a little bit more clear. Um, about that and how I deal with as a priest that is not something that we commonly are are faced with Um, I'm faced with for instance generational curse I'm faced with sex abuse I'm faced with rape, molestation um, drug abuse uh, abandonment uh, in, in, in an average given day in the dynamic of a reason in the dynamic of a reading. 
But the average caller does not originally call me for that. The average client does not originally contact me for that. Well, I, I want to get better acquainted with my ancestors, or I want a reading about my career path. Or, or my, no one rarely approaches with, I'm trying to address, I'm trying to heal, I'm trying to move beyond. Often those issues float to the surface during the consultation, during the divination. And only then am I able to adequately address it to the extent that the client is ready to adequately address it. And as you can imagine, that within itself can be a great deal challenging. Imagine telling a young woman who came from an abuse background, whose mother um, was abused, went on to have many children, I'll say over more than four. I won't say the exact amount, more than four. Um, got into drugs, alcohol, um, subsequently, you know, had an overdose. Passed that on to one of the children who was not in her custody, by the way, who now has more than four children, who is now dealing with abuse, substance abuse, domestic violence and abuse, um, and, is, and is involved now with a, a man who's married. And her question to me is, how do I get my man back? How do I fix my relationship? And see, Shamafia, here's the thing. In this space, I often feel like I'm preaching to the choir. But sometimes I often feel like I'm repeating myself over and over and over again in my head. And it might appear that way to my regular listener as well. But if I don't tell you I have to deal with this every single day, a dozen or more times a week, often ask, how did you hear about me? How did you find me? Do you listen to my podcast? Or did you just scroll for a reader and you contacted me? Or, or were you just looking for a great spellcaster and you found my name in Google and you just called me? I beg people, it's, it's in my paperwork, beg you to look at the links, look at the videos, find out who I am, find out what I do, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Because Shamafia, they're not coming to me for that. You would think they would be. You would think they should be. You, you would think we would want to kill the generational curse. You would think we would want to kill the bad behavior. You would think we would want to dead and put an end, you know, to, to the foolishness that came before. But that's, a, that's rare in the request. It's rare in the request. And, and then when it shows up in the request, I, I've got to listen to spirit. Because ultimately, if the client is not ready to hear it, what can I say? What can I then push forward? But if spirit says that I have to say it, that's a different, a different matter. There are things that spirit will tell an accomplished reader that we're not obligated to say, nor should we. Nor should we. Then there are things that spirit would tell us to say that the client is not ready to hear or, 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 or doesn't believe they're ready to hear. 
uh, or didn't come asking for that, that we absolutely then have to say. And then that opens up the emotion, the tears, in some cases the anger, uh, the resentment around those very issues. Because often those issues lead to the generational curse that leads to, you know, either the bad behavior or, or the, you know, bad experience, the bad negative, you know, the negative outcome that we absolutely got blindsided by and don't know where it came from or how it happened. It's often hidden in those very things. It's often hidden there. So any qualified Babalao, Ianifa, Mambo, Hogan practitioner understands the dynamics of your training that there's certain things that have to take place before and after reading. Because otherwise you pick up that energy. It's a reason a lot of our ministerial board is grossly overweight and not in touch with their health. It's a reason. And so they might not drink, they might not gamble, they might not, you know, fornicate, they, they may not, you know, tap other vices, but they're going to find a way to feed that darkness within them if indeed they are themselves not taking care of the spirit. And, and that's not just in what we eat, but how we take care of the body, how we take care of the living space. How sacred is the space that we operate in and, 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 and dwell in each and every day? But it's a lot. Um, there are some people in this room that can tell you, you know, in terms of how I respond to the load of information that I'm often bereft with every day. Um, it's a lot. It's a lot. And so the, the things that I offer, the things that I suggest here, I most certainly cannot suggest if. I can't put them into practice myself. Now, I most certainly can get up out of this chair a little bit more often, get up off the floor a little bit more often, but I'm often doing the consultations and, and, and doing the work. And there's a part of me that feels a need to feed and placate and satisfy, you know, before I look at to what degree am I doing that, that same degree of nurturing for myself. Um, Green Soap asked me to speak on the controversy between Pan-Africans versus Native Indians. Did, oh, okay. Did black people originate in America? Um, first of all, um, I'd be happy to answer that. This is a question that I've answered and have addressed um, in various ways over the last, I don't know, two years. Um, I even did one show, uh, Green Soap, where I um, shared photographs of pre-human hominids before Lucy and, you know, the supposed evidence that humanity, you know, came out of the great continent, Mother Africa. I showed, um, you know, um, Neanderthals and 
various pre-human hominids from all over the globe, from all over the planet. One thing that they all had in common is that everybody was black. If we look at black the way African Americans view black and white, and our view of black has been highly tainted and affected by slavery, white supremacy, and the dynamics of slavery and white supremacy. So when we look at a picture and we see dark skin, or we look at a picture and we see nappy hair, and I mean nappy hair, you know, I'll, I'll find the photo again and, and reshare it. But nappy hair, nappy beards, in some cases, straight, coarse in others, more as we would associate with uh, Eskimos or indigenous, you know, Iroquois or indigenous uh, people from the Americas. But that does not necessarily denote or suggest race and ethnicity. And so when we start looking at the DNA, green soap, we are not showing up in the DNA results, in the DNA numbers, as, as having the adequate amount of indigenous or aboriginal blood to the Americas to suggest that black people originated in the Americas any more than black people originated anywhere on the globe. So often when we say black, we mean African, which is why you compare them to Pan-Africans which is why I was originally confused looking at your question because the AGO, I, I didn't get that part, but I saw Indians, and my mind went to India, Sri Lanka, Burma, where my oldest ancestors are from. So I do my 23andMe ancestral printout. My oldest ancestors were indeed um, uh Asian, North American, and for the most part, Southeast Asian, and then all less than 1% in the indigenous Americas, less than 1%. And it continues to be updated. If you're not familiar with the 23andMe, if you're not familiar with the Ancestry.com, they continue to be updated as more copies, more DNA copies, more people take DNA tests, more DNA is harvested from archaeology. The tests are frequently updated. Here lately, they're being updated faster than than they were three years ago, five years ago. Uh, DNA tests have become more popular, um, and the science in harvesting DNA in archaeology um, continues to improve. And so that number, for me, green soap, continues to decline. In fact, I looked at it on my Ancestry.com just before I came on air today. Uh, and now the, the grouping, first geography, is primarily Mexico. And, and Mexico in the way Mexico would have looked before the Louisiana Passage. Okay, so Mexico. And then Brazil and then Brazil in terms of indigenous Americans as we now 
today uh, identify Indigenous Americans. So a, a larger percentage of um, the enslaved Africans were first of all brought to South America. A larger number went to Brazil, a larger number went to Haiti, Jamaica, that actually made it into this, this, this white utopia of, of North America. That, that's the first thing. And then those that were brought in were, were treated brutally, were bred like sheep or, or cattle were bred. And, in, and indeed, when the uh, transatlantic slave trade was beginning to be outlawed, then there was a great deal of kidnapping that took place and people being stolen and, and sold into slavery or people buying their, uh, their way out of slavery only to be recaptured and sold back in, into slavery. But the idea of somehow making indigenous Americans into Africans is just not realistic. Uh, there is indeed a portion of us who married, intermarried, had children, but then there also was a greater portion of us who were enslaved by the indigenous Americans. So I think the story in its fullness is not being told in its completion. I think that it, you know, for some people, maybe not you, uh, Green Soap, but for some people it, it sort of fulfills um, sort of a Stockholm Syndrome thing, you know, without you know, claiming to be white, but I claim to be indigenous American. Um, and it's, it's something that has been fed into um, in more recent years um, when science continues to improve and show us um, something very different, that, that we did not originate um, in, in, the, in the Americas. And, and there are no real evidence of such. Um, Mom O claims that she worked in Kenya, Uganda, and had some friends in Nigeria and said that cannibalism was occurring. Um, one tribe, it was the witch doctor, only allowed as, as part of the act of cannibalism. Yeah, we can find it um, all over the world. Asia, the Americas. And it's certainly not as common today as it was some 200 years ago, 300 years ago. Greetings, Marie Mark. Greetings, greetings. Thank you all for being here, for participating. I spent a great hour in 45. Got about 15 minutes remaining. Yeah, it's not unusual across the globe. It's it's definitely been documented uh, in the Americas, in Asia. It's been documented throughout history, um, all over the world. I think it's still something that people sort of try and paint Africa with, or even Haiti with, to some degree. But you don't see that same paint on Jamaica or that same paint on India 
for example. Um, Shamafia, my cousin Paul would be the best person to attack that subject, but he's not here today. Uh, does anyone have any thoughts about the Roman Empire still owning the world? Yeah, that 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 could be a, a full two-hour, maybe even a three-hour topic. There's even discussion of um, bloodlines and lineages uh, back to the queens of England and and other uh, more complicated uh, documents that I, I don't have the language for. My cousin Paul certainly does. Yeah, the beach is a great place to um, to meditate. I find it very curious, uh, Mom O, that a, a woman of uh, Scottish and, and European blood would be hearing voices at the beach, but you attribute it to Yemiya. Um, and, and again, I, I suggest that you're right now acting just as guilty as many African-Americans who claim Yoruba blood. Again, there are 200 ethnic groups in Nigeria. Why Yoruba? Why Yemaya? Why not Igbo? Why not Hausa? Why not Fan? Why not Ewe? So I, I, I take that with a grain of salt. People who are not initiated, who are not a part of a particular ethnic bloodline, who then claim to hear and be in communication with that deity, it just strikes it just strikes my my fancy. Okay, I just yes. Yeah, I like the idea of working with uh, archangels and planets and moon phases um, daily and, and, and goddess initiative and, and working them from a place of, of your understanding. We, we are often in a rush to sort of, you know, claim title, position, knowledge that we, we really have no training in, um, particularly when we're, we're brand new. And we, and we see the same thing with, you know, Folks at church who get who get the Holy Ghost for the first time, or who get baptized, you know, for the first time, or, or, or the brother who discovers, you know, it, you know, Elijah Muhammad and and, and FOI and, and the Nation of Islam, you know, for the first time, you know, there's this gung holiness that we have to want to, you know, totally absorb that that thing and, and become that thing and be that thing. Uh, as opposed to just starting first with who you are, starting first with yourself, starting first with your family, starting first with your people, and then allow that journey to inform your ritual practice and your and your and your ritual choice making. Um, I first came to Voodoo through the Bible. I was an evangelical Christian, raised in a black Baptist spiritualist church, then transformed into evangelical Christianity for, for many years of my youth and, and my teens, 
only to then, like many others, be thrust out into the world. And so in my questioning, I, I, first I questioned God. I said this earlier in the show. I question everything about the Bible. Another way to question the Bible is to study it, is to research it, is to go up under it and behind it and beneath it and in between it, and to expose ourselves to other degrees of information. It may have been the lost books of the Bible that brought me to ancient Egypt. And to begin to look at ancient Egypt, you know, from a, from a more indigenous, aboriginal perspective. And then from ancient Egypt, I began to explore South Central Africa and South Africa and West Africa. And, and, and then in my journey, I found home. In my journey. So it's, it's a very different thing to start our journey attempting to be master chemists attempting to be proficient at things that require not just bloodline lineage, but training and, and initiation and, and study in and active participation in. So start with you, beloved. Start with your people, beloved. Start with your geography. Start with where you are. And, and, and then allow that to evolve your information. Allow that to evolve, you know, where you're headed so that it is indeed in line with with who you are. Um, Perhaps, yeah. It's really too late in the hour. for me now, Craig Burns, to argue voodoo with you. <laughs> but, but I hear what you're saying. <laughs> I, I got you. I, I got you. Yeah, I, I, I would be curious to, to know the answer to that as well, Usher Mafia. <laughs> and how exactly are you being communicated with? Oh, I'm running out of time, y'all. Uh, let's see. Perhaps, um, perhaps God is initiative. Perhaps. Um, that's a conversation I'm not really ready to have on air, but perhaps. I, I think it has everything to do with what y'all are calling weed. I think it has everything to do with what you all are calling marijuana. Now, if you're in a city like D.C., New York, Chicago, Los Angeles, and and y'all are getting that high-grade, I don't call that weed. That's why, you you know, legalities had to be put in place. Uh, Legal for medicine, we had to jump through those hoops, you know, before we even got to, you know, recreational use. But in my opinion, it's just my opinion, um, that sort of messed up the game. Um, anyone who's ever taken Marinol, anyone who's ever taken um, vape, you know, the, the whole experience is very different. It, it, it's very, very, very different. 
Um, and, and so some of this high gasoline, high powered, um, you know, manipulated in a lab, I, I, I don't call that, yeah, I don't call that weed. But that's just my personal opinion. So I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't know. I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm just saying. Imani Sankofa, greetings, beloved. Greetings. Greetings. Yeah, I, I like natural, untouched, unadulterated. You know, yeah, I, I, I would love to see us go back to that. Um, we've created a, a lane for, my God, the pharmaceutical industry and, and now a, a whole new industry to come in, you know, and, and rule our lives. But that's just me. Uh, greetings, jo- uh, Jody Netta. Greetings. Thank you, Mom. Oh, I really appreciate um, you being the same player and you're, and you're showing up with us today. Uh, let's see. I've learned to be still and become self-aware, and that led me to the top. To, that led me to tap into spirituality at a deeper level. I believe in focusing on what resonates with my soul. I absolutely agree with that, um, Jolene, at a 100%. And there's so many voices and sounds and, and, and tunes and advertisements vying for our attention already outside our own head, outside our own consciousness. And so just being able to just be still and quiet and listen um, is it, a critical part to really fully understanding what we need, what we want, and what is best for us, and, and what is working for us, and, and, and what is not working for us. Um, I love Matthew Ferguson. Next time, I'm just not enough time. Y'all are asking too deep of questions too late. Too late in the second hour. Uh, can we discuss briefly the blues and its effects on 20th, 20th century voodoo hoodoo? Yeah, we don't have enough time. Yeah, I got like eight minutes. We don't have enough time. But that, that That's a great conversation. I will say that um, I've seen sort of a relationship develop in the last, I don't know, five years here in the city of New Orleans between not necessarily blues, but jazz, the music community, um, which then could, you know, include blues, um, and voodoo and and hoodoo, Um, lecturing together, um, sharing resources, um, often at the academic level, jazz musicians and and jazz professors and educators, music educators, educating about hoodoo and voodoo. Hoodoo and voodoo educators educating about jazz and and blues and and gospel and and, and R&B and and subsequently all of our music um, has its sort of roots there, have have its sort of foundation um, there. So that's a show, that's a great show topic. I really appreciate that. And if I can, I'm going to write that down. And um, I could do a whole show, a whole podcast just about that topic. I just don't have enough time to do that today. Yeah, I think all things in balance. 
from, yes, treasure, health, physical protection, dreams, intuition, about those who would wish harm, always unexpected. Oh, okay, Shamafia. Um, I'm, you know, I'm often behind in chat in relating the chat to questions that were asked earlier. Yeah, you become aware, uh, but again, it depends on the fine tuning. I think of each individual gift, and some people, some of us, are going to be more empathetic. Some are more empathetic to humans. Some are more empathetic to animals than they are humans. Uh, some are more empathetic to just nature than they are uh, to people. So I think it does show up in varying degrees uh, depending on, on the individual person and, and where they are in their walk. Uh, laying dark things that you hear of to rest as a priest have everything to do with how I have and continue to address my own shadow work. And again, I think practitioners who are sort of empathetic to and sensitive to, you know, some of the harsh realities that exist in our work are sort of um, reconnecting to um, their own shadow work, and maybe even that which exists within the dynamics of of the family. Um, So there has to be um, a coming to understand self, self, in order to really be loving, be empathetic, be sensitive to to others. Um, we hear the occasional horror story of the nursing home with bad behavior or the medical staff, you know, with bad behavior, people who are charged with our overall physical well-being. But, but they're not trained to take charge of our spiritual, our mental, our emotional, you know, well-being. So we, and I'm so running out of time. We um, have to be so in touch with our own trauma, our own pain, our own past, because many of you are still trying to run from it, hide it, toss it out, bury it, where the only way to really dominate it and and control it is to go right through it, is to stand right up in the face of it, is to look at it in the eye. And it is only in that that you have something then to give, to fix, renew, and repair for the next person, the next, you know, client, the next person, friend, family that brings a similar like scenario um, to us. Um, It's a womb, I would say, that's reopened every time. Um, Otherwise, you become cold. Um, We've heard some police officers suggest that, you know, you see enough murders, you, you, you become resigned to it, you sort of close off to it. I, I don't necessarily think that that's healthy. I think that's an old way of looking at, at things. And so you never get rid of it uh, because then you can't identify it 
when you see it to help the next person, you can't then identify it to 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 kill it. You know when when you have to confront it. You know again, but but those are great questions. Um, yeah, you all wait to the to the last hour, to what the end of the show. So I want to ask these really deep, uh, complex uh, questions, but I appreciate y'all. I really do. Thank you, Angela Jackson. Uh, greetings, Chef Bougie. Greetings, beloved. Thank you so much for being with us. Yeah, I say it's not weed at all. Yeah. U-N-G-M-O. Yeah, it's not It's not weed. <laughs> uh, Shamafia says, I'm not initiated by a priest specifically, but my aunt to show me what I need to, to work through. Okay. All is a blessing. Um, thank you, Divine Prince. I'll be on the lookout for the music series. Yes, yes. And the reality show, but th- that's another conversation. But I appreciate you all. It's been a great two hours. Um, I'm going to have me some lunch and move it forward. I look forward to meeting you here again at high noon U.S. Central Standard Time, remembering that all is truly and indeed a blessing. I say, I say, oh, I say. I would love, love, love y'all to come with your deep questions closer to the beginning of the hour. Thank you so kindly. Thank you, Blog Talk Radio. All is a blessing. Congo Square. The Omus Indians. The Omus Indians prepared this place for us. Centuries before our arrival, a sacred spot where corn festivals were celebrated, the almost Indians prepared this place for us. Centuries before our arrival, Congo Square, a sacred spot where corn festivals were celebrated, and as the colonizers came, our host, the Omus Indians. They pushed aside our host. The colonizers came and pushed aside our host and introduced us in chains. And by the late 1700s, we somehow, recognizing the sacredness of Les Places de Congo, we somehow and the how of our somehow persuasive methodologies is not clear at this moment. The how is not clear. How our persuasive methodologies worked is not clear at this moment, but nevertheless, even as slaves, we crafted and created a space where we could be free to be we. And thusly, Thusly, we countered the sacrilegiousness of the French 
giving great homage to our ancestors as well as giving praise and thanks to our red-blooded brothers and sisters. This is an oral libation toast to Congo Square, to Native Americans, to our ancestors who made a circle out of a square and gave us a way to stay ourselves, save ourselves from the transformatory ugliness of America, which refuses to recognize the spirituality of life which refuses to recognize the spirituality of life and celebrates death with crosses and crosses, double and triple crosses, the middle passage, the first cross, Christianity, the double cross, and capitalism, the ultimate triple coup de grace cross of our captivity. But the terror of crosses notwithstanding, we sang. We beat, we be, we was and is. Hail Congo Square. Congo, Congo Square. Our African gods have not been obliterated. They have merely retreated inside the beat of us. Inside the beat of us. Our African gods have not been obliterated. They have merely retreated, retreated inside the beat of us until we are ready to release them into a world that we recreate, a world harrowed by the beat, 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 being, beating, being of black heart drums, heart beat, heart beat, heart be at this place, at this place, be heart, be, be, we beating place in new world space, beating, being in place in new world, preserving our ancient pace, our dance is the God walk, our music the God talk. First thing we do, let's get together circle ourselves into community. No beginning, no end, connected together and singing, ringing, singing in a ring. Second, let's be original, aboriginal. Be what we were before we became what we are. Be Bambula dance, be Banza music, and sing song words which have no English translation. Third, let us remember. Let us remember never to forget, even when we can't remember the specifics, we must retain the essentials. Let us remember never to forget. Even when we can't remember the specifics, we must retain the essentials. The bounce, the blood, flow, the feel, the spirit, grow, energy. Must retain and pass on the essential us-ness that others want to dissipate with out of us. Whoa! 
but no matter. No matter how much of us they prohibit. No matter how much of us they prohibit. Deep inside us is us. Deep inside us is us. Remains us inside and needs only the beat to set us free. The beat to free us. It is morning. A sun day. A feel. A feel. Without shade. But dark. Dark with the people black of us in various, various, various shades. Eclipsing the sun with our elegance. We are centuries later now, and still this sacred ground calls us to remember, to beat, to be. We are centuries later now, and still this sacred ground calls us to remember. To beat, to be, beat Congo Square, be Congo Square, beat, be, beat. Remember. Yeah. 